You are listening to Lady Talk Radio. I'm your host and friend, Stacey Ray. Each week right here, you and I are going to have those much needed, honest conversations about your creativity, your work, your womanhood, your ambition, and so much more. Really, if I'm honest, nothing is off the table here. So pull up a chair and let's talk. I believe ambition is not a dirty word. This is about self-mastery. I decided today I wanted to take the power back. back. Remain in love with life, knowing that despite challenges, there are always solutions. What would happen if we were all brave enough to believe in our own ability? What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Well, I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. This is about, this is about self, self mastery. mastery. I'm enough, and I'm worthy of love and belonging and joy. Let us work at it together, starting now. Okay, I am so excited about this guest. So when I decided to do a motherhood series, obviously I had to bring Riley, one of my best friends, mom, on the show because she is a mother of eight humans, like eight amazing people in the world because of this woman and her creation. And I just knew that we needed to hear from her and her unique experience of motherhood and really celebrate that. And she has such an amazing story. So Carrie McCoy is our mother, our first mother on this series. And I'm a little at a loss for words, honestly, to describe how amazing she is and their unique way of uh, really raising the, this family. And so I'm honestly just going to dive right into this because you'll, you'll, you'll receive what you're going to receive. It's a beautiful conversation and I'm just so excited to welcome you guys in on this cozy chat we had. So let's do this. Carrie, I'm so excited about having you on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. Well, it's interesting because I've always kind of seen you in the background, right? Because people know on this show that Riley is your daughter and she works closely with me and she's also one of my best friends and I just adore her. And I always kind of see you in the background and I'm always so curious about you because I'm like, here's this amazing woman who has raised eight kids, eight, (laughs) eight kids, okay? (laughs) You know, and I'm just curious what, let's just start there. Like, what has it been like for you in your journey of motherhood, raising eight humans? Oh goodness. We call them raising, raising tiny giants, um, because they are tiny people that are going to become giants. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's absolutely insane. People <laughs> ask how we do it every day. And I said, I don't know. I just put my shoes on and I go, <laughs> Um, honestly, I don't believe that we could have had this many children had we not been, um, successful entrepreneurs ourselves work from home and also homeschool the children. Uh, and so those two things I think are benefits to us and how we can more easily run this crazy household lifestyle and manage all of the minutia of everybody's schedules and (laughs) all of the things, right? Oh, I can imagine. Holy moly. I mean, I, I can't even like, I'm worried about having one kid. So I can imagine times eight. Did you want to have that many kids when you started out? Or did it just kind of work out that way? 
So I wanted four kids. I wanted two of each gender. Uh, my husband, I think he didn't want any children. And uh, we had our oldest two, Riley and Reagan, and a few years. Oh, then we had a seven-year gap. And we, we had that gap because our marriage wasn't on the best plane relational between he and I. And so we learned that we needed to work on one ourselves individually as adults and to our marriage. And so we took that seven years to work really on us. And it wasn't until I was, uh, I had gone through real estate school and I was having some hard times um, finishing the test uh, for national and state tests. And so he said, he knew that I would wanted another child. And he said, you know what, babe, he loves to make deals. He's like, I'll make you a deal. You, you complete, you pass these exams and we will have another child. No joke. I passed my next round of exams. And two weeks later, we were already pregnant with Ryder. So, um, and then Ryder was the youngest of three with a seven year gap. So it was kind of like he was maybe going to be an only child because the other two were off playing and doing their own things. And so we had the conversation of, do we have a buddy for Ryder? Do we not? If we don't, which one of us is going to get fixed? We are weighing the pros and cons of all that. And two weeks later, we find out that during that conversation, I was already pregnant oh. with number four. <laughs> Yes, that is when Miss Render Charity decided to come to, to earth with us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, in writing my book, which we'll talk about in a little bit too, um, I, I really leaned into the power of the Tao Te Ching, which I learned oh, nice. easily over two decades ago. And I love the Tao Te Ching and how everything in nature just unfolds. And, you know, you'll have a pine tree, but the pine tree will drop pine needles and pine. Is it a seed or a nut? Pine seed or a nut. And um, that creates another pine tree right next to it. And so life just naturally unfolds on its own. And so that's kind of what I used to guide. I've, I've used it to guide my life for decades. And it's also how I learned to know how many kids, how many babies, how many human beings I was going to bring into this earth. And so mm. it was like after render, Keith was like, okay, so that's four and we've got two of each. That's what you wanted, honey. And he's <laughs> like, you know, so I'm ready to get the vasectomy. And I was like, um, I was waiting for that hit as a woman that's had a child or multiple children. You kind of wait for this like hit that like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. I'm done. I've had my children my body's worked. I'm, you know, good. And, and I didn't get that after render. And so I waited again. I was like, you know, no, Keith, I don't think we need that vasectomy yet. Like, I think we're going to, you know, I think there's another angel that's ready for us to bring earth side. And so sure enough, two years later, we had Miss Remedy Sage and that was number five. Um, Similar thing happened with, uh, after that, Keith was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get my vasectomy. And <laughs> he scheduled, this time he took a step further and he scheduled the consult. And um, I was like, uh, we've gone on a date or something. And I was like, 
um, I don't think you should go to that consult. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, babe. So it was, you know, a few more things like that where I was like, ah, something is just pulling at me, my heart, you know, something is like, no, you're not done. You're not done bringing these angels back to earth. And so, um, it wasn't until our eighth child. Yeah. It, it wasn't until with rhythm, our eighth child, a month after she was born, uh, no, a week after she was born, I was holding her and caressing her and, and exhausted. And she was born at 43 weeks. So she was my longest pregnancy. Wow. And, um, I told Keith just, you know, being exhausted. And at this time I was almost, or I was almost 40 and I told Keith, I said, you know, I think I'm done. I said, you know, a year from now, when I start talking about pregnancy or baby talk or that I want another child, I was like, remind me how hard the mm. end of this pregnancy was because I felt like I was going to be pregnant forever. Um, and then God blessed me with a stroke, uh, when she was just shy of one month old, I survived a major stroke. And I feel like that was God putting an exclamation point, like on, mm. <laughs> like, nope, you're done. You said it yourself, but I'm going to make sure that you know, you're done. Um, and so then a few months after my stroke, uh, maybe it was a year after my stroke, Keith went and had his vasectomy. Um, so I wanted numerous children. Keith did not. We had also learned about the time when we had Remedy. She was number five. We had read in some book, I don't recall the name of it at this moment. Um, the more children you have is the more lessons that you need to learn. And oh, wow. so Keith, with his upbringing, he had a pretty rocky upbringing, lots of abuse and different things happening as a child for him. And for me, I had kind of a normal, quote unquote, standardized life. My, you know, mom and dad were married and, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I, we joked that Keith had, we had all these children so Keith could learn these lessons <laughs> <laughs> because I was already wise. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already lessons. good, but these are for yeah. you, babe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Oh, wow. So that's how we really how we got to have eight children. And, and part of that Tao, the Tao Te Ching, like I, after I'd had rhythm, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm good. I'm done. And then after the stroke, I was like, like right now when I see pregnant women or breastfeeding mamas or, you know, mamas with little ones, um, I look at them and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so precious. It's such a beautiful sight. And you know, I'm like so happy and I will encourage and support you as best that I can and teach you all of my tips and tricks. And then I turn around and I'm like, Oh, thank you. That is not me anymore. <laughs> I don't have any more babies. I don't have any more pregnancies or breastfeeding or, you know, it was, it was a huge part of me and my identity yeah. because I was pregnant and nursing literally for uh, let's see. I was pregnant a total of nine, I think it was nine years, eight babies, yeah. not nine years. Maybe it was like eight and a half years and breastfeeding 17 years Oof. because each baby was almost two years that I yeah. nursed them. So, um, th that's what people knew me as was Carrie with all the kids or yeah. <laughs> that, you know, I had dreadlocks then. And, and it was like that dreadhead mama over there with all the kids named with the letter R and, 
you know, so yeah. Oh man, I'm yeah. just so celebrating you and all of that. Cause yeah, when we talk yeah. about someone who would know the tricks and the tips and all of that, and I know that you're really <laughs> more naturally focused as well. Yeah. And I find it so interesting that you were able to raise all of your kids while homeschooling. And I know that you guys are really into essential oils and more natural, yep. holistic ways of living, which is beautiful. Yeah. Like you've yeah. really raised incredible people over there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We Sometimes we, we balance each other out. I'm like, oh my gosh, Keith, like, are we doing the right thing with homeschooling these guys? And He's like, yeah, babe, like, look at these successes that so-and-so has had and so-and-so has had. And then we flip, you know, flip sides. And it's like, he's coming to me like, Carrie, are we doing the right thing? And I'm like, yeah, like, check out this and this and this that this kid did. So we balance each other well. And um, yes, I am all about working with the body, working with nature. I truly wholeheartedly believe that the body can heal itself. And I learned that as a child when I was little. Um, I, I was nine years old and I had a little bit of eczema on the inside of my arms and my parents didn't take me to a regular doctor for it. They took me to an herbologist and oh, wow. he kind of like felt around and pushed into my organs as I laid on the table and he's like, Oh, your liver's enlarged. Okay. Well, that might be why, you know, we're having some eczema issues. And then he gave me different herbs to take and a Amazing. diet protocol to follow and my eczema healed. And so I've always had that natural mindset of listening to the body and respecting the body. Even when I had Ryder, he was our third child. My, I was, so our first three were hospital births. Our last five were home birth, water births. Ryder was our last hospital birth. And uh, real quick, he was what they call sunny side up. So his, his positioning was the opposite of what it should have been for delivery. And so the nurses were trying to get the baby to flip. And so every 20 minutes they'd come in and they turn me on to my right side and then they'd come back and turn me on to my left side. And then they'd come back and, you know, it was, went on and on for a few hours. But every time they turned me to my left side, I would get nauseous and feel like I was going to black out. And so intuitively mm -hmm. my body was like, you need to sit up and cross your legs. And so I was like, the nurse is out of the room, sit my bed up, sit me up and let me cross my legs. And I just, I didn't vocally out loud say this, but I had communication with my baby internally, like, Hey baby, like you need to move. You need to turn around. Like they're telling us that, you know, we might have to look at cesarean, but I believe in you. I believe in my mm -hmm. body. I know that we can work together to make this happen. And so after a few hours of them trying to quote unquote, you know, turn me back and forth, every time the nurse came in, I was sitting up with him or, you know, sitting up cross legs. And she was like, we need you to lay down. You need to lay down on your side. And I was like, okay, great. I'll go through the motions. But the last time she came to check on me and she, you know, checked on the baby, she said, Oh, look at that. Your baby has turned. And I was like, sarcastically yeah. in my brain, I'm like, Oh, look at that. Look my at that. Yeah. What it needed, you know, so I have lots of testimonies in my life that are like, you know, yeah. your body knows what it needs. Listen to it. You know, it can help heal it. And it's powerful. It's a yeah. powerful, powerful tool that, that we were given, you know, yes. we were given at birth. So, 
Yes, I completely, you know, I've been researching birth more in the past few years and realizing how much women are sort of in a way like seen as they need all this advice and all of these tools and medications and all this stuff. But it's like (laughs) our body is literally designed to give birth and it knows what to do. And you have that connection to your body and this baby. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it kind of saddens me a bit, actually, when I read some of these stories of women who didn't know that going into birth and then were sort of steered in certain directions, not knowing and not yeah. trusting that own in- inner knowing of what they needed. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. wish I wish when I was 19, when I had Riley, I would have known. I do also believe that my brain capacity, my maturity level wasn't ready for it. Otherwise I would have known and I would have gone that direction. So at 19, I saw an OBGYN who I really disliked. I didn't care for his bedside manner. He treated me like I was just another number. And Mm -hmm. at 19, I didn't know that I could leave him and go find another OBGYN that I liked. And so, you know, I, I also find that a lot of women or people just in general, um, put this authority figure into the medical physician's hands. Like they are the authority and I must do what they say. And then they become weak as a patient and they don't feel that they can advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen people do it. Um, Unfortunately, I experienced some of that when I went through my stroke. Um, I saw the ugly side of Western medicine And it only made me become that much more powerful and stand that much stronger in the foundation of me advocating for my wellness, me advocating for my husband's or my Mm -hmm. children's wellness, because what we say matters to our own body individually. And doctors just practice medicine. They call it practice for a reason, right? You go to a doctor and they're like, okay, I'm going to give you this medication, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll see how it's worked. Because if it hasn't worked, we're going to give you a different medication because they're quote unquote practicing to see what chemical will help your body. When in fact, we already know that they're all just band-aids because you're not addressing the root cause, right? Yeah, exactly. No, not right now. Okay, go out. Mama's on a call. Oh, that little voice, right? I know. Let you you mentioned the stroke a couple times, and I know that that was a huge pivotal moment for you. Tell us about that. What was that like for you as a mom who was also going from you know literally taking care of eight kids, having yeah. a relationship, a business, all of these things that you're doing, to going through a major health experience? Yeah, major health crisis. It was uh, it was insane, and I say. Often, uh, God blessed me with a stroke and gave me a new perspective and new eyes on life because at the time that I was having my stroke I, and I went into emergency surgery, I, didn't, I literally did not know that I could have died. Mm-hmm. And so when I came home, so my case is like miracle on top of miracle of what happened to me, the type of stroke that I had. Most people don't survive. Wow. Uh, I did survive. I went five and a half hours without blood supply on the right side of my brain. Um, and I went straight into surgery. 
Uh, and that five and a half hours includes my surgery. Um, I was conscious and coherent for all of my surgery. So I felt wow. and heard every single thing in the room. I felt and heard every single thing in my body, in my brain as they were withdrawing the clots. Um, and so from there, from my surgery, I went into an ICU room and I left the ICU room and I went home, straight home, less than 36 hours after having a massive stroke. And most stroke survivors um, will still tend to stay in the hospital for one to two weeks, mm -hmm. even if it was a miniature stroke. And I didn't. They were like, you're good. You have little to no deficits. Little to no deficits in what they call in the medical field was um, incorrect in my mind. I had a slight drag to my left foot. People on the outside can't see it, but I can feel it if I'm wearing, you know, certain shoes like flip flops. Um, but being a mother of that, um, I went into a huge depression uh, the, the six, seven weeks postpartum because I was postpartum with having an infant as well as having a stroke. Mm -hmm. So post-stroke, um, the deepest, darkest part of my life, suicidal thoughts. I'm like, here I am holding my infant child. I have seven more additional, beautiful, intelligent children. My husband is amazing and incredible. And what if I was, what if I was just, they would be better off without me. What if I built yeah. my, you know, what if I built our, our wonderful business to sustain their livelihood so I could leave? And, um, it, I went through a huge identity crisis as well, because it was like, I went from being known as this dreadhead. I'd had dreadlocks for six and a half years, this baby wearing, this pregnant, this nursing homeschooling mama to literally the brain changes when you have a stroke. Like I have tests providing the results that my brain literally changed after the stroke. So on the outside, mm -hmm. although we combed out my dreadlocks and I cut my hair off, um, I looked very similar, but internally my, my brain system, my factory works completely different. And so in part of my book, I honor my kids and uh, I'm going to get teary eyed now just thinking mm -hmm. of this because I honor my kids for shining their light for me as mm -hmm. I healed and as light came back into my life and just, <laughs> I would be crying on the couch and just them across the room. They'd look at me and just give me this little smile and just their, their sparkle in their eye or just the simple question of them saying, mama, is there anything I can do to help? Like, mm. Oh, like my little kids just brought me through so much trauma and I honored them in my book because it was like, you guys have seen me at my worst. Like, I'm so sorry that our family experienced this and know that my frustration and my anger and my, you know, uh, irritation or my irrational thoughts that you were never the root cause of any of this. Know that, that you were always at the forefront of my mind. And Keith and I are always looking at exam 
us as examples, like what, what examples are we setting for our children, for our family? What are we modeling for them? What behaviors are we showing for them? And so me coming through this healing and through this crazy identity crisis, I've always had my babies at the front of my mind saying, Carrie, what are you showing them? How are you showing them to behave? And how are you showing them to, to show up in the world? And it was like, I just had to fight the darkness and the enemy left and right to get through. And most of my healing, I would say I'm, I'm a really, it's been four years. It'll be four years in May. Um, and, and most of my healing, I would say I'm through, I still battle with anxiety and, and a little bit of PTSD every now and then. So, um, that's still there, but I'm coming through the end, the end of the tunnel of the identity crisis and, you know, really starting to claim my power and who I am and, you know, um, pushing my body physically because, you know, people with strokes, quote unquote, should have certain limitations. And Mm. I push those boundaries all the time. You know, right now um, I'm training for my first Spartan obstacle race and I'm doing that to, to show my kids like, yes, this trauma happened and our bodies can be as strong as we want to make them, you know? So our kids are always at the forefront of our minds. Like, what are we doing? What are we showing them? You know, on my weakest days, Keith's like, Carrie, are you kidding me? Like you had a second, you have a second opportunity to live this life fully. Are you going to sit here and mope around today? Are you going to get off your butt, go for a walk, take the dog out, go play with the kids, go build your business, like stop it you're being crazy right now. Stop it. You know? So every once in a while I need a slap in the face like that. And it's <laughs> we fine. all do. We all it do. It gets me back on my feet and you know, I might curse a little bit and that's okay. I, yeah. I get back on, on the road to, to where we're headed, you know? So definitely gosh. been a crazy journey. Yeah. Gosh, Carrie, your, your story is so inspiring and I just love getting to witness you at this point of the journey too, where I know that you're creating this book, you're really stepping into this, this new, um, it sounds like expression of, of your own, who you are, you know? And I don't actually know a lot about what your book is about. Can you tell me, is it about your journey and your story of, of what you just shared? Yeah. So it it does share, um, it's called Silent Awakenings, and Ooh. it shares my stroke story and a lot of my healing, but also before my stroke, even as a child growing up, um, I just, I'm just a unique individual, like, <laughs> um, you know, people, my friends, family, they, we all play around that I'm this, you know, unicorn mermaid that, um, (laughs) in fact, our, one of our friends is a spiritual worker and, and she, she can see people's, um, animal spirits. And Mm -hmm. so she's given all of our family, all of their animal spirits. And I'm a mermaid. I live both in land and on water or in water and on land. Um, because I'm between multi-dimensions and (laughs) she said, Everybody else is a typical animal from a ferret to a bear, to a cat, to an owl. And then she's like, you're a mermaid. You're a mermaid. (laughs) You are a mermaid. And Keith and I were like, of course I'm a mermaid. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So starting from when I was very young um, and, and in my book, I share experiences on what has 
made me different. Like, I think I was five or six years old and I went to get gas with my dad and I hopped out of the truck and I was like, Hey dad, I can see the gas flowing through the truck. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Say that again. He's like, well, it's like the fumes. I was like, no, I can see it going through the truck, through the little tube, through the little, you know, whatever into the engine. And he was like, okay, awesome. Like, he was a little like he took a step back because he's like, what is my child, my five, six year old saying? Like, I've never heard this from anybody. And from that moment forward, like I see things like moments before they happen. I know I know that a woman is pregnant when I see her before she knows she's pregnant or she has wow. told everybody she's pregnant. The say, uh, that's amazing. That's an amazing gift. And the same thing happens on the flip side. I know about deaths, which is, I've not quite been able to grasp yet. Like, is this a gift? What am I supposed mm. to do with this? And this can be deaths from somebody committing suicide to somebody that it's, it's just their time. They have lived their life. They're in their late years, eighties, nineties, a hundreds, you know, um, I just, have this sixth sense that tells me this is coming, this is happening. And so I share some of my awakenings, um, but pre-stroke as well to kind of gear people up to know that my journey is much different. And, and then they have a better understanding of, oh, no wonder why like this is like miracle on top of miracle. Like she's not a normal, a normal Mm. person. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, what is normal anyways? Let's yeah. (laughs) I just, I'm, I'm, I, God just made me different. I'm just different, you know? So he made you, he made you a mermaid. I mean, come on. He was like, let's just sprinkle some magic over there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so cool. I'm excited about your book. When is it coming out? So my goal is to have it published by my stroke anniversary date, which is May 15th. Incredible. I'm currently on my third edit version at this moment. And so fingers crossed, toes, hands, arms crossed, everything aligns and it all happens to launch on May 15th. Um, and we shall see. Also, I will go with the flow, right? It's like, I, I want this end date to be hard and once I give it to my proofreader, it's out of my hands. Like right. the timeline yeah. is out of my hands. She said, I'd like a good two weeks with it. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay. Okay, <laughs> you know? I'll so, be back. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. So, Incredible. Well, yeah. congrats on as you're nearing this part of the journey. That's super exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And in my life, like I never, ex- like I never thought that I would write a book. Like, come on guys, Carrie just passed her, her classes in school just to pass them because I had really good friends that helped me to pass them. And so for me to like formulate an actual sentence with commas in the, in the proper place (laughs) and the punctuation, I was like, for real, I'm supposed to write that I'm supposed to write a book. Like, and then, and then it was like, no, yes, you're writing a book and you're going to bring people into your life that have these gifts that are going to help you edit and help you proofread and help you art design. Like you're going to write the book, you're writing the content, and then your team is going to cultivate around you and help to lift you and launch it, launch it. So 
the right people yeah. show up, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. For sure. Oh, this has been so cool hearing more about you. Like I said, I've always sort of like known you in the background as Riley's mom, but it's just yep. so cool to celebrate your journey and get Thank to hear you. more about it. Because this series is about mothers and motherhood, I'm curious as a mom of eight, as someone who has trekked this journey, you know, more times than most, yes. right? What would you, what would you want to say to mothers? Like what, if you could give mothers around the world, just this, this idea or this belief, what would it be? As a mom, it's important to remember to love yourself and to, I get teary eyed saying this, Yeah. to remember what you're passionate about and do those things because your children are watching you. And it's not all about, I need to be mom 24 seven, because when we're giving all of the time, we deplete ourselves. So it's super important for us to fill our cup so that we can then overfill into our children's cups, into our husband's cups, into our community's cups. And when our, when we're not in touch with our true self, we become the identity of this mother or this grandmother. And that's not necessarily who we were made to be. Yes, we were here to create and we were here to multiply. However, we have our own areas of interest and our areas of mm -hmm. passion. So if you're a writer, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you're a, a dancer or a yoga girl or a runner, go do those things. Invest in yourself because if you don't, you will lose your identity. And then when your kids leave the house and you become an empty nester, you're now having to figure out who you are after the kids leave. So instead right. of waiting until they're 18, get on that ball now, figure out what is it that I like? What is it do I want? Most women, once they've had a child, they... It's all about the child. It's all about the family. And they forget about what they want in life and they become clouded and they become foggy and they forget that they have their own wants, needs, and desires. So get quiet, meditate, go into nature, take that five to 10 minutes and just think of this affirmation. What do I want? What do I want? And allow the thoughts to come without resisting them. And when you're done, take a notebook and a and pen and write down those thoughts without resistance as well and do those things because your children are always watching you and you're setting this, the, the model and the behavior for what your kids are seeing, what limits you and what your potential is. And they're then going to form their beliefs in their minds for the same thing. I can't do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm just a mom. Do you want your child to mm. live their life that way? Or do you want them to become the full potential in which they were built to be, you know? Yeah. You know, I've heard this before and the way you just explained it hit me really, really well there. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I feel like sometimes we hear these things and we hear it and we hear it and then it's like suddenly someone says it and it just lands. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's the fact that you've done this eight times. I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel like you're an expert. <laughs> 
argue some people say i'm an expert in many areas of parenthood and i'm like ah, i'm still learning guys yeah, like yeah. i've been doing this 24 years i'm still learning every day you know? oh amazing i am celebrating you so much carrie you're thank incredible you. thank you yeah what is your favorite way for people to reach out to you i'd love for people to get in your world i feel like there's so many things that you share on your social media too that are really helpful and insightful and i'd Perfect. love for people to get connected with you absolutely so instagram is my favorite the Carrie McCoy K-E-R-I-M-C-C-O-Y uh, and TikTok nah, it's not my my greatest you know platform however um, it, I do have it connected to Instagram I did just start sharing uh, mom tips so pro mom oh, tips cool. uh, on both platforms uh, and uh, I've <laughs> I have like lists and lists of all of these these mom tips and I'm like oh I can share that tip and I can share this yeah. tip and so I was like okay I'll just start sharing them and you know see if people gravitate towards them great if not then that's fine too so yeah amazing okay we'll put all those links in the show notes too so you can get connected with Carrie I so appreciate you coming on thank you thank so much you. thank you for having me love you love you